You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. the word of the Lord here this morning. And in um, Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 is where I'm going to get our context from here this morning. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. When he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. For a few moments here this morning, I'm going to be preaching to you on this topic, Jesus unwrapped. Jesus unwrapped. And if you can lay your Bibles down right now and lift up your hands and worship God one more time just before we enter into this part of the service. God, we come into this place, God, with a mind stayed on you, Lord. We ask right now that you would have your hand upon the remainder part of this service. We completely give it over to you, God. We ask for your anointing to fall, God. Let your presence fill this place in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord. We give you all praise and all glory here this morning. Let it be done in your name. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Christmas as we know it is over. Some of us have cried tears thinking about this day (laughs) coming. So much planning goes into that one day where we uh, spend together, where we take a moment and recognize what Christ has done in our life. Most of us are now thinking about restoring order and packing away the ornaments and symbols of the season. If you were anything like my wife, you would have packed up everything already. We have some traditions in our family. Christmas morning, we wake up. Actually, the children usually wake us up. We read the Christmas story together, and then we each take turns praying for what we are thankful for. And then we open up our presents with excitement and screams and paper flying everywhere. Followed by this is my wife's famous reindeer pancakes, and then she starts making the turkey dinner. And as soon as we are finished eating, it is time to take all of Christmas down. Maybe I'm being a bit facetious. It doesn't all happen that quick, but you know what I mean. It feels like it happens that quick. The excitement of Christmas comes, and then before you know it, it is gone all too quick. We are rearranging things and figuring out where to fit the Christmas presents into our decor or closets. It is amazing how many people organize the house, even their closets, even their desks at this time of the year. And for most of us this week, it will be time to put away the Christmas stuff. Our household, November 12th, every year we put up our Christmas decorations. And... uh, We want time to enjoy the festivities, enjoy the Christmas music and the Christmas lights, everything that's around it. And every time we look at it, it's a reminder. It's a reminder of what Christ has done in our life. So we take 
down, we will take down the trees and lights, repack decorations and put away manger scenes. Some of us will return things like that sweater that someone bought you that is two sizes too large. How rude. You have opened up your gifts and then realized it didn't fit, wasn't the right thing, or just plain didn't like it. Stores will have lineups in their return section trying to take things back. And you have opened up your gifts and then realized that it wasn't quite what you were looking for. I'm sorry that you were terrible at picking out gifts, sweetheart. Try again next year. The weeks after Christmas, however, seem to have developed into a national season of getting organized. Stores have big sales on bins, crates, and a multitude of storage boxes. In fact, when I walk into Walmart or Canadian Tire over the next couple of weeks, I am sure that I will once again be greeted by towering displays of plastic storage bins. Companies will capitalize on our internal need to organize and prioritize our lives following Christmas. And this got me thinking. I wonder if subconsciously, while we are packing away Christmas, it is an effort to take inventory of ourselves. I wonder if when we do, we are also packing away all the feelings around the season, whether they be good, bad, or even sad. The packing and organizing seems to be an effort to wrap up the fragile stuff of our lives that we confronted, to sweep the dust of the season under the bed, to stow away the part of us that heard the message of redemption and cries out. Already stores are making room for Valentine's Day. That's how quickly it happens. Christmas comes and Christmas goes. And we move on into the new year. Are you ready for 2022? Or does it leave you with anxiety just thinking about it? There may be a number of questions that come to your mind as you are putting away Christmas, but there is one that stands above the rest. What are you going to do with Jesus? He is the unwrapped gift. A lot of people treat the Lord as a gift that was given by someone that you only bring out when you know that person is coming over. Don't tell me you don't know what I mean. Have to make sure they know that we use this back scratcher. Have to make sure they know we appreciate the nice frog slippers that they gave us. But Christmas deserves more. Christ deserves more. In all of our opening of the gifts that we receive and pack away, let's make sure that Christ isn't one of those gifts. He is a treasure that we get to open up every single day of our lives. Yes, Christmas is special. It's my favorite time of the year, and it's cliche to say that Christ is the reason for the season, but there would be no reason for any season of life if he remained packed away in the secludes of our heart. Praise the Lord. If Christ gets stowed away. For those of us this morning who know the true meaning of Christmas, we know that Jesus Christ was born to die. He came to give his life for us that, so that we might have eternal life. Somebody praise the Lord for that. 33 years after he was born, Christ faced a mock trial and charges were made against him that would lead to his crucifixion and death. He was brought before Pilate, who was the Roman governor. He didn't really have an interest in being involved, but he was in it and had to make a decision. In fact, it is the same decision that some of you are pondering this morning. What am I going to do with Jesus? 
Matthew chapter 27, verse 19, it tells us the story. It says, while Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ, Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. What a great question. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ? There are at least five choices that I can think of that people can make in regard to the Christ. First of all, some would love to exterminate him. Part of the Herod clan, if you will, is still around to either destroy Jesus or remove him from the Christmas celebration. But when every part of their crowd is gone, Jesus Christ will remain. Nativity scenes have been removed and are considered offensive in some public spaces. School systems have moved not only away from the word Christmas, but even the celebration of anything because they're afraid of offending someone. In the name of diversity, we will teach all other kinds of religions, but as a nation, there is a vocal minority doing a fairly decent job exterminating the message of Jesus Christ. We have been asked to not say Merry Christmas, but Happy Holidays. Does that irk you too? That, that irks me. I say Merry Christmas anyways. We are being conditioned to keep Jesus in the church where he belongs. Make sure he doesn't get outside these walls. But I beg to ask the question this morning, what if he did? What if we took Christ with us when we left the service this morning? What if Christ was shown through how we live our lives every day of the week? What would happen if Christ was unwrapped? Secondly, some try to exploit Jesus. Part of the cold corporate world has become rich because of his birth. It's whatever they feel will sell this year. He makes or breaks the balance sheet. The results affect the mood in paneled boardrooms. And there is no doubt that Christmas has turned into a major part of the bottom line for many businesses. The Christmas shopping season begins earlier and earlier. I I received a flyer two weeks before Christmas that said, Boxing Day sale, be there, be there, be there. We buy what we don't need to impress people we don't even like. Be careful not to exploit the story of Jesus Christ in the name of profit and gain. And thirdly, some come to examine Jesus like a work of art. In the wake of shattered dreams and inner emptiness, they ponder becoming a disciple, perhaps just a thought again this year. Jesus Christ is about a lifestyle and a choice to follow him. Our God is not a work of art to be admired or examined. He is not some historical museum piece to be gawked at once or twice a year. He was and is the image of the invisible God who came to this world to bring salvation. He came to die. He came to call you to follow him. He came to make you and me fishers of men. He came to ask you to pick up a cross on this earth, and a crown later in heaven. He came to find men and women who would sell everything and follow him. And fourthly, some come to experience him. Don't worry, I've only got like 20 of these or something. I don't know. No, there's only five. Some come to experience Jesus. Let me tell you this morning that I wouldn't want 
to experience life without Jesus. I wouldn't want to experience a marriage without Jesus. I wouldn't want to experience raising children without Jesus. I wouldn't want to experience a career. I wouldn't want to experience tragedy, sickness, or even death without Christ. What is most important in your life right now? C.S. Lewis, he said, putting on Christ is not one of the many jobs a Christian has to do, and it is not a sort of special exercise for the top class. It is the whole of Christianity, putting on Christ. We put on Christ everywhere we go. When we get up in the morning and sit through our closets for what we will wear, above all, our experience with Christ comes first. We put on Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. And lastly, some come to exalt Jesus. People around the world bowed before Him and presented the ultimate gift of themselves to the King of Kings. Worship silences the voice of the secular world. Values will change, but worship is our lifestyle. It's how we live our life. It is about every day of our lives exalting God in everything that we do. You were planned for God's pleasure. God did not create you, but God did not need to create you, but He chose to create you for His own enjoyment. You exist for His benefit, His glory, His purpose, and His delight. The Bible says in Psalm 147, verse 11, The Lord is pleased with those who worship Him and trust His love. Anything you do that brings pleasure to God is an act of worship. Like a diamond, worship is multifaceted. Anthropologists have noted that worship is a universal urge. They've recognized that everybody has this need to worship something. Worship is as natural as eating or breathing. If we fail to worship God, we will always find a substitute. Even if it ends up being ourselves, worship is our lifestyle. And it comes in many forms. Music is just one of them, for example. But it's more than just music. Every part of a church service is an act of worship. Praying, reading the Word, singing, listening to a sermon, taking notes, giving an offering, baptism, speaking in that heavenly language. They are all acts of worship. Christians often disagree over the style of music used in worship, passionately defending their preferred style as the most biblical or god honoring. However, the music style you like best says more about you, your background and personality, than it does about God. One ethnic group's music can sound like just noise to another, but we forget worship is not for our benefit. People say, I love the worship today. I got a lot out of it. This is another misconception about worship. It isn't for our benefit. We worship for God's benefit. We lift up His holy name. We magnify Him. Amen. It's all about Him. When we worship, our goal is to bring pleasure to God, not ourselves. If you have ever said, I didn't get anything out of worship today, then you worship for the wrong reason. Worship isn't for you. It's for God. And of course, most worship services also include elements of gathering together with believers, edification, and evangelism, there are benefits, but we don't worship to please ourselves. Our motive is to bring glory and pleasure to our Creator. Worship is not part of your life. It is your life. It's not just for church services. The Bible tells us to worship Him continually. 
every activity can be transformed into an act of worship when you do it for the praise and glory and pleasure of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Martin Luther, he said, a dairymaid can milk cows to the glory of God. Whatever you do, you can bring glory to God. How is it possible? By doing everything as if you were doing it for the Lord. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. The gold rush of 1849 had people from all over the world heading to California with dollar signs in their eyes. Everybody wanted to strike it rich. Each person came with visions of finding a fortune, and many miners did indeed strike it rich. This phenomenon was all started by a man named James Marshall who discovered gold in Sutter's Creek. You would think that the man responsible for starting all that gold craze would have found him knee-deep in wealth. But ironically, Marshall died in the late 1880s as a penniless miner, just a few hours from the place he first struck gold. His fortune was never realized because he failed to stake his own claim. An individual can know all about God and the abundant life that Christ has to offer, but if you don't stake your claim through a lifelong commitment of praise and worship, you will never experience the riches of eternal life. God is calling us, He's calling you today to worship. The gift is opened. The package is unwrapped. What are you going to do with Him? We put a lot of energy into packing up or removing things from our life. It drives my wife absolutely crazy. I, I get bored easily, and so when I get bored, I start tearing everything in the house apart. I go through the closets. Do we need this? Do we need that? How many times have you heard that? <laughs> I go through everything, and we take so much energy into doing so. The reality today is that there is a new light that has been born into our hearts. We have hope for a better life to come. We read in the Bible that King Herod is not happy about the arrival of Jesus. His kingdom was potentially changed forever by the birth of this baby. His comfort zone was threatened. He lied to the three wise men when they came to him. What did he tell them? When you find him, come back and tell me where he is so that I too may go and worship him. Hmm. He did not want the world to change. Herod wanted the worship and the position. And somehow, some way, he needed to get rid of the Lord to put him away. Herod did not have rubber-made boxes or a garage to put Christ in. So Christ ordered Amazon Prime. No, he ordered him to be killed. What an irony. The light of the world has just arrived and darkness immediately seeks to extinguish that flame. The divine is greeted with horrific violence as every Jewish boy in Bethlehem are killed. But God made a way of escape. Mary and Joseph followed a message from God that they got from a dream to get the baby out of Bethlehem and flee into Egypt. God made a way through the darkness. We do not have to pack away Jesus. We've wrapped him up in fancy paper and tied him up in colorful ribbons and fancy bows, but that is not the way that Jesus came. If I can have the music come back. He didn't come packaged in Christmas finery. If we look underneath all these decorations and TV specials, we'd find a baby wrapped in clothes of poverty. 
This is a reality I believe many try to hide because behind all the Christmas finery and decorations, the idea that God would come in such a way is just its too incredible to consider. This is the last way we'd expect God to come. We expect Him to come hit the earth running, not cooing. We think He'd come as an emperor with wealth and power, having it televised around the world and maybe even available for pay-for-view special. At the very least, we'd expect Him to be sporting His own line of clothing, kind of like, you too can pamper your baby just like God. But the idea that God came as a common person is just too much for us to comprehend. Not as a man, but as a baby. And then he came to the Jews who didn't want him. He was born to a dirt poor couple in a stinky stable with a whole bunch of animals. He was laid in a feeding trough. A feeding trough is where shepherds would have laid newborn lambs. It's not a place for the Messiah, if we could all stand. John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, But yet John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was that perfect sacrificial lamb, as the prophet Isaiah foretold. Isn't it amazing how he came? This is not the picture people want to see, so they've sanitized it through a beautiful nativity scene. But it was from this humble beginning that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, began to grow. He grew up in relative obscurity as carpenter's son. What good can come from Nazareth? Not in a palace with all of its comfortable surroundings. And the question leads us to why. The answer is simple. So that he could identify with all of us. So we can come to Him knowing that He understands where we're coming from. He understands the plights, the trials, the doubts, and the anxieties that we go through. He experienced all the same emotions that we go through. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet He did not sin. Christ is therefore not so removed from our difficulties that he doesn't understand where you're at this morning. He's been there and done that, yet without sin. And so he can relate to us right where we are, and we can relate to him. Jesus came that night in Bethlehem to be the perfect sacrifice. Get this, for us, for us. He was born in a small, cramped, congested, and messy place. It was a stable with all the sights, sounds, and smells associated with it, as you can imagine. But the message this morning is in the mess. It tells us this morning that there is no place we may be in our lives that's too poor, too remote, too outcast, or too messy that Jesus cannot make his way through. The mess is in the message. So don't be fooled thinking that God cannot draw close and enter into your situation, no matter how busy, how messy, or how smelly it may be. On this Boxing Day, what are you going to do with Jesus? We don't have to navigate the darkness of this world alone. 
Let's be radical this year. When we pack away the Christmas decorations, let's leave Jesus out for all to see. When we leave church this morning, take Christ with you outside of these walls and let the world see him. Jesus unwrapped once and for all. Hallelujah, Lord. As they open up this altar here this morning, as we begin to sing his praises, I want us to come with a spirit of anticipation of what God is going to do in your life in 2022 as we leave Jesus unwrapped. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.